The Decameron, A Year of Otherworldly Tales. Episode 48, Twelve Turns of the Screw, Part 1. Lucas was at Isabel's side in a flash, or rather, in a blaze. You have wings, and you're on fire, she said, not taking her eyes off her brother, who hadn't acknowledged Lucas, but hadn't tried to strike his sister either. Owen stared at her, a mixture of disbelief, horror, and disgust on his face. And you have scales and golden scars, Lucas said trying to keep his voice steady. She looked like a once broken dragon come to life in a cascade of color, every place where she and her namesakes had been wounded through the generations, outlined in gold like a piece of kintsugi pottery, her scars inscribing her story without erasure or gloss. The lab animals didn't move, though many wondered why the biped hairless one lacked the instinct to run positioned as he was between winged fire and a great snake. Fight over flight in this situation was definitely a losing proposition, they mutely agreed. But humans were often overly complicated, not to mention foolish. Vasily slipped into the hall beside Koshche in time to see the firebird and the worm close in on Owen. You took long enough, Stumpy. You almost missed this. Vasily ignored the brotherly insult. Did Jack's box activate? Yes, but the young lord hasn't taken the bait yet. Although not exactly betwixt the devil and the deep blue sea, Owen was between two powerful elemental beings, neither of whom counted him amongst their favorite people just then, or ever for that matter. The vignette had a terrible sense of fragile balance that a breath could have destroyed. No one breathed. Owen's phone rang. He checked it and whooped with delight, turning to stare at the glowing screen and hold it almost reverentially in both hands, which meant he was no longer an immediate threat to Isabel. Accordingly, she looked at Lucas, and they both resumed their normal appearance. I'm... My God! I'm rich! Owen laughed. To hell with this place, Isabel, and to hell with you two. I have more money now than all father's worldwide holdings combined. I don't need any of you. I don't have to uphold the family name and honor. So tedious. I don't have to wait for the old fool to die. I can buy anything. Be anyone. Mid fist bump, Isabel was a bit taken aback by what she thought her brother would have dismissed as a decidedly plebeian gesture. Owen's face fell, plummeting through all the plains of hell. No, 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 he moaned. He clutched his phone to himself, turning an anguished face with tightly shut eyes in his sister's direction 
as if not daring to gaze upon the unspeakable horror tragically playing out online. Slowly, he opened his eyes again, blinking rapidly and shaking his head as if to clear his vision. I must have been mistaken. Yes, yes, surely I was mistaken. He looked closely at his phone and fell silent, staring. Tears rushed down his face in a torrent. He screamed, then fainted, the offending device falling from his hand onto the concrete floor, the awful truth still visible through the now badly cracked screen. It serves him right, Vasily said, visibly shaken by the spectacle he had just witnessed. But I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. I would, Koshte exclaimed heartily. Raise some my scarlet inspiration. Send a message to Jack. Ask him how he managed that. Rosamond wove her message and soon read the reply. He says, most of Owen's fortune was in cryptocurrency. Let's just say I buried it. Koshche laughed. Tell the steadfast Sir Keyboard we'll meet in the Vale. We've earned a private celebration. Vasily and I will meet you there. First we will convey Owen back to his quarters. It wouldn't do to leave him here all untidy. Koshche made a little sound of disapproval and hoisted Owen over his shoulder. We'll go through the walls, Vasily said. That should be fun for our passenger, Koshche said, nodding towards his unconscious burden. It's quicker, and anyone who sees will stand there trying to convince themselves of what they didn't see rather than ask you why you're lugging a body around like a sack of potatoes, Vasily explained. Fair point, Koshche nodded. We'll see you there, he reiterated. Tell Moot to set out some vodka. The good stuff, mind you. Rosamond curtsied as she, Lucas, and Isabel vanished in search of Jack. So, if you buried Owen's money, Lucas began once they were seated comfortably in the Vale, Moot was following a space theme. Their alcove had the feel of an intergalactic taverna, and the archivist-turned-bartender had prepared wildly colored fizzing concoctions that made the best vodka look like a Sunday tipple. It'll rise from the dead to bite him again by and by, Jack said. Then just when he thinks it's safe to rent that island for a private party or make a killing here or there, his money will disappear again like fairy gold and he'll be destitute and disconsolate once more. And so the wheel turns and Owen's hell loops round and round. That will break him. I told you my family weren't fit for honest work, Isabel said wondering what a hell-bound family heir would mean for her own life. It will certainly change him and keep him preoccupied enough that he'll never be a threat to you, Lucas confirmed. Had he ever seen you change before? No, he only knew I inherited the name and, however weakened, the propensity for the change. It was enough for him to think of me as a worm, a lizard, a snake, Something lowly and reprehensible, Isabel said. Snakes are often princesses in Russian stories, Koshche said. Speaking of which, I'm on, Lucas said. Moot. Yes, the entity replied. You once said that the Vale had the power to let us project ourselves into our interactions with Baba Yaga while remaining here. Is that still true? 
You can enter the app from here to tell and participate while remaining in the veil, it affirmed. Well then, Lucas said, as an old show I used to watch sometimes to help my English used to say, are you sitting comfortably? Then let's begin. The app described the setting as one with white floors and translucent, curving, bejeweled walls that allowed light to filter through and play across the various surfaces, like stained glass. Welcome, friends. Here is another tale for you featuring Yvonne the Fool. I've been saving this one. It's called The Ring with Twelve Screws. Are you sure in your hands there isn't going to be a screw loose? Babiaga teased pointedly. Perhaps. I guess we'll have to get to the end to know for sure, Lucas answered brightly. Now then, there was once a young fellow named Yvonne the Fool who lived with his old mother. They were very poor. Sometimes they had a dry crust to share between them, and sometimes not even that. All Yvonne wanted to do was sit in the warmth of the stove and daydream. His mother wanted to press him to try and make a living, both to help them out in the present and ensure Yvonne would have some kind of future. Son, why don't you go into town and see who's hiring, she pleaded with him. Someone might take you on as a worker or even train you as an apprentice. Learn a trade and your future is assured. Reluctantly, Yvonne took himself to town. He met a man who agreed to hire him for a contract of labor. Yvonne was a surprisingly good worker. During his service, the man's fine hound had a litter of puppies, and Yvonne was given one to train. When his contract ended, instead of asking for his pay, he asked if he might have the pup he had trained instead. His employer was more than happy with this arrangement. Not so his poor mother. A puppy? A puppy? Something we have to take care of and feed when we can barely provide for ourselves? Son, you must earn actual wages. You must go find more work that you can be paid for, she lamented bitterly. The next day, Ivan went back into town and met another man who was hiring laborers. Again, he proved himself an efficient and willing worker, and his employer was well pleased with him. During his tenure, his boss's beautiful cat had kittens, and he was given one to train. When he was to collect his final pay, he asked for the kitten in lieu of wages, an arrangement to which his employer readily agreed. His mother smiled when she saw the thick bundle stuffed into his shirt, but wailed in despair when it mewed and showed two pointy ears. A kitten? A kitten, she cried. Oh, son, you're too quick to make a bargain and sell yourself short. Now we have two extra mouths that must be fed meat. And she shooed Yvonne and his pets out of the house in exasperation. Yvonne went out into the fields, thinking that he would let the cat and dog hunt for birds and small creatures, while he poked around in the fallow ground looking for missed vegetables or fallen grain. He saw a great bonfire burning in the middle of the field. He drew closer and heard a woman's voice crying, Oh, save me from the flames! Pull me out! Pull me out! 
Ivan looked closely and saw only a snake. A very beautiful snake, but a snake nonetheless. Oh, good sir, the snake cried, free me from the flames and spare my life. Ivan took a long stick and poked it into the fire near the snake. She coiled around it and he pulled her out, setting her down in some cool, tall grass. He turned to go, looking for his cat and dog. Ivan, stay a moment that I may tell you what your kindness has wrought. Ivan turned, surprised to hear his name out in the middle of nowhere, common though it was. There in the grass stood a beautiful young woman, dressed in iridescent silks, no snake to be seen. Please accompany me to my mother's home that I may see you rewarded for saving my life. But you must drive a harder bargain for my mother's generosity than what she would prefer. My mother knows magic. First, she will offer you a fortune in copper pieces. Refuse it, for it will be coals. Next, she will offer silver. Refuse that also, for it will be birch wood chips. Then she will offer a great fortune in gold. Refuse that too, for it will be broken pottery and smashed bricks. Ask instead for the ring with twelve screws. She will be loath to part with it, but will do so for my sake. The pair went to the young woman's mother, and all happened as she had foretold. What do I do with this ring? Ivan asked. Ivan, this ring will grant whatever you desire. Wait for evening and go out into a large empty space. Take the ring, turn all twelve screws, and twelve thousand men will appear, yours to command for whatever you wish. Ivan thanked the mysterious maiden and went home with the wonderful ring, his dog, and his cat. When he got home, he was silent with his mother and took up his customary place near the warmth of the stove. Once his mother had gone to bed, he headed out to the fields where he had rescued the snake and turned all of the screws on the ring. Twelve thousand men appeared. Gracious master, they said as one saluting, we are yours to command. Hiding his shock and delight, Ivan controlled his voice and said, Have a great castle built on this very spot, with beautifully furnished rooms. Let me sleep in a fine chamber on a bedstead of gold, with feather beds of swans down. Let my mother's chamber be likewise appointed. Let the castle be filled with all the servants and tradespeople necessary to the running of such a grand household. And let me present myself as befits the lord of such a place. Rest in the grace of God this night, his company said. All shall be as you have ordered. Ivan went to sleep by his mother's stove, but in the morning he woke to everything as he had wished. When the Tsar woke up in the morning and looked out over his gardens and beyond, he was amazed to find a great castle blocking his view. Who is this fool, my neighbor, he thundered, sending a runner with an invitation for Ivan to present himself at court immediately. Ivan refused, saying that if his neighbor was curious, he was welcome to call. The Tsar had little choice, but when he met Ivan Seryevich, he was impressed and gracious, 
and soon Ivan paid a visit to the court. While he was there, he met the Tsar's beautiful daughter and fell madly in love. Ivan asked for her hand. The Tsar had no particular objection, but saw that he could turn Ivan's petition to his advantage, at least to find out what his future son-in-law was truly made of. Of course you can marry the Tsarevna. Once you build a golden road between our castles with a gold and silver bridge over the river, let geese and swans swim in the river with fish of every color and kind. On the far shore, let there be a church made of wax, but with minarets of jewels and wax apple trees that bear real fruit. When this is done to my satisfaction, you can marry in the church. Ivan went home to his own castle, heartbroken and dumbfounded. That ought to keep the fool busy, the Tsar smiled to himself. The Decameron shuffled. Two of diamonds. A weak card, but a strong tail with far greater wonders, I assure you, Lucas said. Shall I go on? The Decameron, A Year of Otherworldly Tales, is an original work by Shauna Kozar, all rights reserved. Shauna gratefully acknowledges that she lives and works in a beautiful storied place, the ancestral lands of the Sinemuk First Nation, and that she crafts her tales thanks to the support of the Canada Council.